Jam and Jen, everyone, this is Clément from Comet, and today I'm with Arnaud from BNB Chain. Uh, Arnaud, please, uh, could you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Clément, for hosting me today as well. So I'm Arnaud Ross from BNB Chain. I'm a senior solution architect, and I'm working with BNB Chain Foundation in helping on the, the growth of the ecosystem of BNB Chain from a core technical point of view and as well on the use cases that we can build and deliver to the community. Awesome. Um, I usually start my podcast with one simple question, which is, could you sell me your project in 30 seconds? Uh, the fact that everybody always uh, know VNB Chain, uh, mm -hmm. I would go with, how could you convince me that BNB Chain is a real uh, decentralized blockchain? Sure. So let's say in 30 seconds to be any chance like the most no, but... L1. Yeah. yeah. In in terms of the decentralization, we are improving actively our like number of validators as well and our consensus in order to be able to accept more validator and more decentralization as well within the node that can join the network or within let's say, the infrastructure provider as well. So we are making sure that all our infrastructure providers are quite decentralized and are uh, let's say providing different solutions for our community as well. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, wh what is uh, the influence currently of Binance in BNB's development? I would say it's minimal or near like uh, zero. <laughs> so I know like initially like Binance created, let's say the Binance Smart Chain, but then it has been rebranded on BNB Smart Chain. And we are quite separate from uh, Binance, so it's more like uh, maybe they're giving us some tip and tools about like maybe the trend, but we are really like independent and working actively like in building more like the community in terms of developers, use cases, and dApps as well. So it's like uh, we don't really see see them anymore. <laughs> okay, but in the first place, the I mean Binance mm -hmm. was I mean really active in in every everything. Uh, revolving around the, the, the Binance Smart Chain. Right. Initially, it was like the Beacon Chain, which was kind of the DEX of Binance, uh, which was like BNB Beacon Chain, which was it's the first one. But then has been created the BNB Smart Chain, which is more like the layer one uh, EVM compatible as well, which is within the BNB ecosystem, which is really here for builders to be able to deploy DeFi application like NFTs and so on. So that's really like the, the growth of the BNB ecosystem as well with this multi, let's say universal, let's say there's multiple solutions based on a different need of different projects on top of it. Okay, awesome. Um, recently, I mean, yeah, I, I could say that recently, like there is a, mm -hmm. a, um, a surge in, in DeFi hacks and smart contracts vulnerability, sorry. But in the meantime, I mean, it's been a, quite a long time that we yeah. see so many hacks, exploits, uh, and stuff like that. What are the, the measures currently um, used by, by BNB Chain uh, uh, to, to ensure that uh, its security uh, is like on point? Uh, 
Right, definitely. I mean, after a decentralized network, you know, you cannot really, let's say, have a high control of what people are deploying on your network. Because, like, at the end, it's the developer itself, which is pushing their own code. And sometimes, of course, there are some miss, let's say, development in some specific function that can enable some, let's say, hack to be happened. Uh, so this is something that we are aware of as well. And definitely, like, something that we are trying to actively push for, let's say, uh, there's a community initiative which is called Avenger DAO on BNP ecosystem, which is really here to provide feedback as well to users before they potentially let's say, sign a transaction to get integrated, for example, with trust wallets or with pancake swap as well. For example, before you are doing any swap, you can there's a specific button which is like scan risk. So the user can scan the risk and then it's coding a specific let's say community initiative, which is then assessing let's say the smart contract based on okay, how old is this smart contract? Who has been deploying this contract? Is there any audit report that has been published? Is the smart contract, for example, uh, transparent or not? So based on those, like, let's say, information, this specific initiative is able to give, let's say, some scoring on this specific contract to know, let's say, the risk level. So, of course, the contract, for example, which is not publicly transparent and where we don't know the creator of it, this is usually, let's say, uh, a high flag in terms of potential scam or rug pull. So usually, like the community, we try to enforce them to potentially not you interact with such kind of contracts and privilege, let's say, projects which are more transparent, open, which are doing audit and verification on top of that contract, and which as well like bringing more ownership of themselves to ensure that uh, there is more like trust inside this community as well. So maybe you you see where I'm going with that. Like one, I mean, it's like maybe one years ago, um, CZ uh, asked for, uh, I mean, asked the, the, the validators to to halt the blockchain uh, due to some, I mean, big exploits. Do you think this is something that still can happen today? Um, I mean, asking the validators to just, I mean, pose the blockchain to to figure out what's going on. So first of all, it was not CZ who asked the validator, let's say, to to halt the chain. It's what it was more, let's say, the validator themselves who, let's say, are coordinating together, trying to understand what is happening and what they can do again to, like, let's say, mitigate the risk. So what happened? It was yeah, I would say, eleven months ago or ten months ago now, where, like you say, like something happened within, let's say, the bridge between the Beacon chain and the BNB smart chain. So due to, let's say, uh, misconfiguration within the library in terms of security like someone was able to exploit the specific connection bridge between the beacon chain and the smart chain. And uh, of course, like then the validator discussed together, trying to see like, okay, what can be the different measure that we can do in order to protect first the chain and the users, which are as well on top of the chain. So it's always like, how can we protect user when something like this is happening? So they all agreed together, let's say in a coordinating way to potentially, let's say, halt the chain, fix it, and then restart it again. So there is no, let's say, rollback would happen. So which means that the chain didn't start, let's say, in a point in back, uh, in a past point uh, before the hack. It just started straight when they had it as well. So that that's how it happened. Basically, it was just more or less like the validator who coordinated, let's say, stopped it in order to be able to fix the specific library, which was part of the core uh, protocol, in order to be able to restart and make sure that there is no... Uh, second hack which can happen on top of it okay awesome um 
I've seen that there are lots and lots of uh, development currently uh, inside the, the, B, the BND Galaxy. Um, could you explain what are the most crucial elements uh, in BNB's chain tech roadmap for the for the next, at, let's say, months? Because nice. years might be like really, really <laughs> heavy, but I mean, at least for, for the next two to three quarters. Right. And if we talk in years, like usually the community is not too excited as well. So usually they like to know what's about to come, like within a few weeks, days or months, like you said. So definitely that the community is actively working on multiple, let's say, stream. One, which is, let's say, the BSC, so the BNB Smart Chain, which is working on the decentralization, on the, let's say, scalability as well, and the robustness of layer one. Then there's two mainstream, which is one, which is the BNB Greenfield, which is more decentralized storage network, which is trying to bring, let's say, true, let's say, we, are, we talk a lot about data economy on top of Web3, but how we can really create uh, monetization of data is something that we've been uh, looking for within the community. And that's where like BNB Greenfield, uh, this specific white paper was released, I think, last January. So it's been almost nine months now where it's the kind of a decentralized storage network where people can directly, in, it's going to have a native integration within BNB Smart Chain. So people can programmatically sell file or transfer ownership of a specific file. So that's more on the storage part. And then there's a high stream as well from the community, which is working on the scalability aspect of the BSC network. So we all know that the BSC is really like, let's say, much cheaper than other L1 or, and are quite scalable as well in terms of transaction per second. Nevertheless, there's as well some stream which is uh, working heavily on what is called the OPBNB, which is a layer two built on OP stack. Uh, so basically, uh, it's a layer two on top of the BSC network to really bring more scalability on the BNB smart chain. And OPBNB, since it's built on OP stack as well, it is fully EVM compatible. So it's something where like our developers community is really like, keen in exploring in order to easily, let's say, build a decentralized application on top of it. Okay, uh, and um, what sets uh, the, I mean, BNB chain apart from all the blockchains uh, in terms of security? Uh, I would say what sets us apart is more, let's say, the, the strong infrastructure that our validator are providing and our, let's say, infra provider. Uh, so thanks to, let's say, our high throughputs and our scalability position as well, like with the low transaction costs we are able to acquire one of the largest Web3 community uh, in Web3 in a sense. So in terms of active user, we are usually reaching it's the first active uh, Alt L1 in terms of user with more than 1 million active user. So one, we, it's true that 1 million active user doesn't seem a lot compared to Web2 application, but in Web3, it's still already a good achievement and we are trying to achieve even further so in terms of infrastructure, we already have such a large number of user base that one for provider worked heavily as well on the resilience of the network, which means building, let's say, strong RPC connector or strong wallets, which are as well able to cope with the number of like activity that our network is having. Uh, so I would say that's kind of our strong point, which is really let's say, the, the resilience and the scalability of our network or infrastructure as a whole. Okay. Um, let's go back to the, um, to the OPBND because this is mm. something really, um, I mean, thriving. Um, ZK rollups, optimistic rollups, that they are getting a lots and 
costs of attention these, these days and why i mean the, the question is pretty obvious why are you launch, launching like two new l2s uh opbnb and zkbnb uh, right i mean they all have let's say different use cases as well and different characteristics and maybe different security model that maybe some community might prefer one over the other uh, so of course we're trying to be neutral let's say the community of BNB chain try to be in terms of development we are a bit neutral into like maybe which direction to take in terms of layer two scalability solution. After actively looking in what's happening as well on L2 on top of Ethereum or on other chain, we believe that, for example, the OP stack is something that is really widely used and battle tested by the community. And especially as you know, it's providing EVM capability, compatibility uh, for developers. So, which is something that is really interesting in terms of, let's say, for builders for different use cases. So we can see it like on ETH on different L2. There's like, usually there's one L2 with one specific, let's say, DAP, which is really utilizing the solution because it's really, they're able to leverage high transaction speed with low transaction costs to build new use cases or reinvent existing use cases, but really make it more scalable. So this is one of the reasons we decided as well to launch OPBNB on top of the OP stack, because it's really providing this development framework for people to easily migrate, let's say, L1 use cases into an L2 and make it really viable due to the low transaction cost and high speed. The ZKBNB, it's more, let's say, linked to, I would say, fast transaction confirmation and uh, low withdrawal time as well. And it's mainly, let's say, for token transfer. So, for example, standard uh, ERC20 or NFT. So there is no, let's say, capability yet to build uh, or to deploy an EVM-compatible smart contract on top of a ZKBNB. Uh, but this is where let's say the OPBNB is more here for, for those developers. But as you know, within the OP stack, there's a withdrawal, let's say, time window that people need to wait before being able to withdraw point to back to the L1. So there's, let's say, different threshold and different point counts for each solution. So we believe that providing potentially both solutions can help for community to be even more, let's say, dynamic and in building new use cases or trying to explore more, let's say, scalable solutions for the future. So you are going to uh, like uh, compete directly with Optimism or JK uh, so Sync or Starknet? We're not. We're not trying to compete in in opposition. We're trying to contribute as well. So this is where OPBNB. So we made a few let's say changes within the OP stack where we're trying to push as well some changes to their stack in order to let's say bring a higher innovation within their whole Web3 community. Uh, I mean, on my side, I don't believe that there's going to be one winner. So for example, one L2, which is going to win all of the use cases, as we can see already today. There's, for example, Base, which have like one or two big killer dApp, which are having a lot of activity. But as we can already see, it's kind of congestioning the L2 as well. So we can see that each layer 2 has, let's say, their own use cases a little bit. So it's really that there's no, let's say, competition in terms of L2. Was really that there's going to be multiple L2s which can utilize, let's say, the main stack, mm -hmm. which currently is the OP stack. So being able to contribute back to the community and bring us one more, let's say, innovation or manpower to this base stack, for, like because OP stack is really like a modularized framework for people who want to build layer two. So we believe that like it's important as well that like our community is contributing to our development and making it more robust. Potentially, potentially attract more company who would like to launch their own layer two as well.
Sure. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I've, I've been using uh, Binance uh, in the early days. I've been using also Binance, I mean, the BNB chain, BSC chain, BSC chain, like when it was still BSC chain. And I, I should say that it's been quite a long time since I've been using some dApps, um, DeFi and stuff like that. But uh, I've seen the evolution and with a, a landscape as complex as the BNB Galaxy, how do you um, expect uh, users to navigate and understand the various components? Like, for example, you have the BNB Beacon chain, you have the BNB chain, you have OPBNB, you have ZKBNB. Um, don't you think that chasing multiple rabbits at the same time will like some kind of dilute the value of each project and lose your users? It's, it's a good point. It's a good question. It's a good like narrative as well that you're exploring here. It can potentially like say, uh, segregate the user into multiple, uh, let's say, landscape and like make them maybe harder to reach. I think it's really where we are trying to provide as well a lot of, uh, where we are trying to discuss heavily with, for example, wallet provider or DAP builder. Because we believe it's more like, say, a UI and a user experience issue more than a protocol, for example, issue. Because like switching, for example, as of today, switching from one network to the other might still be a bit complicated from a UI or UX perspective. But we believe that in the next few months, uh, it's something that's going to be, let's say, more hidden for the user. So a user is not even going to really be able to understand like in which layer or which protocol he's currently interacting with. It's just going to be an application for him where it's like logged into a specific application, he's playing with it, and that's all. Uh, so I think it's more on the user experience uh, on terms of wallets or that that need to be, let's say, reshaped a little bit to make it more uh, seamless for users to to just utilize blockchain but without knowing exactly at which layers they, they are actively. After it's more, I would say for experienced user where they really want to, let's say, for example, settle back with an L1 or the settlement layer where those potential more experienced user really want to have like a high control of their assets on chain. But maybe it's maybe that's not something for all the users as of today. So I think we should have like different approach for different type of user as well. Okay. Um... That's that's a, a very fair point. You previously previously sorry mentioned um, BNB Greenfield. So you are expanding your services um, with um, again BNB Greenfield. What are the benefits of having a decentralized storage like like it, like this? Is this again some kind of uh, competitor to Filecolor Green? Uh, so it's I wouldn't say competitor. It's Trying to address the market of decentralized storage for sure, uh, and especially in terms of programmability. They, so, adding a programmable layer on top of data. Uh, so, this is where Greenfield is really focusing on. Uh, so, but at the same time, bringing more Web2 oriented, which means that, for example, the APIs that are going to be provided for the developers are going to be more Web2 oriented in, ter in terms of, let's say, upload and download. Uh, the same for the like say, upload or download speed. It's going to be really close uh, or equal to the standard, let's say, Amazon Web, uh, let's say, S3 bucket that uh, developers are used to use. So this is going to be really familiar for let's say Web2 developer to upload or download files. But having this connectivity with a blockchain and with let's say really the the ownership of my assets 
using uh, your wallet and your private keys is something that we are trying to bridge using uh, BNB Greenfield. Where, for example, uh, you are hosting your podcast here today, you are providing it maybe for free on uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, but being able, for example, to own, let's say, or provide a service where people can subscribe on-chain and really have access, thanks to the subscription, to the file itself uh, without passing through a third party is something that we believe is quite uh, important for the future of uh, Webstream. Sure. Well, well, that's why this is a valid question. Uh, I mean, assertion. This is why the podcast is also... Uh, Completely, I mean, it's completely free and it's also available for Web3 native people on Lens Protocol, for example. So, yeah, definitely. Um, exactly. Yeah, Lens Protocol is already a good use case for, for such kind of uh, solution. Uh, uh, um, but then the question is like, if you if we compare, for example, with uh, Arwe, Filecoin, or IPFS, for example, there's still in the industry, let's say, a lack of uh, high infrastructure in order for people to download or upload at, let's say, high speed. Uh, connection capability. So this is what we are trying as well to, to bring a new paradigm into this decentralized storage network. So you better uh, you better build it like in house uh, instead of uh, relying on I mean on a partnership with a, a, a decentralized storage protocol. Um, it's I mean do you think I mean you clear, clearly you think it's better to build it like in house that working with so someone it's, else. It's a it's a new it's a new architecture so it was really not possible for example to reuse something that was already like in the web space uh, so it's the development is like open source and it's uh, publicly available so we have a spot some community member which are building on top of it and which are helping uh, to really like shape this new product uh, so it's not something that we do let's say ourselves in house it's more it's a community initiative as one well, where we have a lot of builders from our underworld, which are really building this uh, this new protocol, uh, but it's more, let's say, an uh, alternative solution and a new way to sync, let's say, uh, decentralized storage. Okay, um, so it will be the last question before jumping on on the second part. Um, many blockchain and protocols and whatever you want to call it, project, whatsoever, uh, the aim to onboard. And I think it was the narrative since the beginning of uh, 2023 to onboard the next billion users. But isn't the primary challenge currently centered around addressing security first, scalability, and, and more, most importantly, sorry, the utility of blockchain technology? Uh, separate point. So definitely, I'd like, I believe that you touched multiple layers of technology. Uh, this is where we need to, I think, segregate as well the different roles within this technology. We have, let's say, the, the core builder, which I want to see. And I would say before the builder, like the core builder, we have the researcher, which are like here researching on new use cases, new security model. For example, Vitalik, which is like a real researcher in this core, where you can really like think for like the next few years, like what could potentially be the roadmap, what are the bottleneck, and how we could potentially address it from a research perspective. But then after the researcher, I would say there is a layer of like builders, it's a core developers, which are building the, which are applying those research into, let's say, a code itself to build the protocol itself. So we have, for example, like ETH, we have different L1, or we have like Bitcoin, which was the first one as well. So those, I would say this is one stream 
uh, then which are let's say focusing on specificity like can be scalability can be decentralization uh, right now there's a lot of discussion into for example the state expiry so as you know like a ledger is basically a database which is growing and growing so in 10 15 or 20 years from now there's going to be a lot of data on chain so how do we manage those let's say growing size uh, within the ledger so this is more it's a researcher and co-builder but then on top of that we have maybe more entrepreneurs which are more like building decentralized application and trying to find true use cases as you said like, is this technology really viable can we really use it so i would say this is more at the entrepreneurship level where we have people which are trying to create for example nft project which are trying to bridge let's say real world asset into an on-chain asset as well using maybe nft uh, for example as a technology then we have the users which are more it's for example you and me which are trying to utilize this network as well and then we have investors as well so i see that there's a lot of multiple players uh, and each of them are focusing on different uh, pro problematics uh, but definitely i do agree with you like for example the security is something that is really that we should really put uh, a lot of effort into it and this is at all level of the let's say the supply chain if i can say so because like the research I'm talking about security as well, then the core protocol, developers are trying to develop more security, but then the builder, I would say there's a lack of ownership and responsibility currently in terms of like builders, which are building the centralized application, which are not necessarily doing the right effort to provide, let's say clean, transparent, smart contracts, auditing these contracts. The key management is something that is quite important as well. So how the keys are held by a project uh, and how it is, for example, dispatched in multiple location or dispatched within multiple communities as well. So I think there's a lot of uh, framework that can be built in terms of, as you say, security first. Uh, otherwise, like the the more we are growing, the more risk we are going to create as well for people which are transacting on chain. Sure, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Um, so we are entering the second part of this podcast. So this is the uh, yay or nay questions. Um, so to summarize it, uh, you have 11 questions, uh, one joker. Uh, these jokers allow you to not answer. If you do not want to answer one question, you can only answer by yes or no. And uh, when you're ready to, to, to start, let's go. Sure. Okay. Um, okay, let's go. Uh, do you see uh, BNB as an Ethereum killer? Uh, can I, exp uh, let's say once I say yes or no, can I add more justification on top of it as well? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I would say no. Uh, the question is because I don't believe that there's uh, anyone which want to kill anyone else as well. Uh, I think there's like different like, place and utility for two or multiple let's say layer one as well because we there's so much different use cases that i believe like we are each providing different value uh, so i don't think that it's and we are a cure of ETH. that's not our aim i would say okay is bnb chain fully decentralized yes will you accept to be paid in fdusd fd no the, it's the the, the new uh, BUSD. Yeah, I mean, I no, I mean, I up in in fiat, so I'm not paying crypto. <laughs> Don't you think that there are too many L twos? No, 
Um, you already answered this question, but uh, is crypto a winner takes all market? Yes, I think so. Are NFTs overrated JPEGs? I would say no. Uh, NFT, I think uh, we are only seeing like the tip of the iceberg of NFT. And uh, there is uh, so much more to it that uh, we don't realize yet, I believe. Are you a BNB maximalist? Uh, no. Um, is growth more in I'm a crypto? <laughs> <laughs> is growth more important than security? No. Uh, is crypto more complex today than 10 years ago? Uh, definitely. Do you think people working in this industry really understand what they are doing right now? Not all of them. Uh, and the last question, is BNB chain set to forever tied to Binance? No. Perfect. Thank you very much. This is the, I mean, you passed the test. <laughs> um, okay. Um, oh, I forgot I had a joker. I should have used it maybe once or twice. <laughs> once only, but yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much, Arno. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for joining this podcast. Oh, chills, literal chills.